All right, guys. Big episode of the Nordies podcast. We talk about the Twins going crazy in free agency. We talk about the Vikings being kind of boring in free agency. Uh, the Wolves keep on winning the Champions League draw. And who we think wins between Kanye West and Skeet Davidson. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How's it going, guys? Wow, doing really well. I'm doing really well, dude. Weather is beautiful. I'm loving it. I'm doing better than the CCHA and their final, which we'll get into in a few Mm -hmm. minutes here if you guys didn't see that. But before we dive into that hectic situation, we need you guys to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast. Also, subscribe anywhere that you guys get your favorite podcasts from and get the Nordy's podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week for free. Freaking we deal. appreciate you. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking Drecker's Third Eye West Coast IPA. Had it before. It's a really good beer. Lots of fun. Happy to be drinking it. Nice. I think I'm doing the same thing as I had last week, which is the Lupulin Heipzig. Oh. Uh, it's at Goza. Yeah, I remember because I didn't know how to pronounce it and I still maybe got it wrong. So we're just going to move well, on quickly. You got it right because I think you last week you did it like Jose. You did Jose. Yeah, maybe. That, Too many ways it. to pronounce those four letters. It's crazy. Um, well, since I'm the only one with a new beer, uh, I'm at our good friends, Fair State. The All of Us. All Sorry, All of All of Us. Um, I guess it's like a classic IPA with a little bit of haze. This is them like doing it differently. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, Isn't that, that one the that, that they were kind of hyped online? Where Nico was basically giving the middle finger to hazy IPAs, but also saying, I'm going to make one anyway. Right. Kind of and how is it? So it's good. Okay. Really drinkable, really like pleasant. Um, nothing stands out about it. It's just really good. Really good beer. Okay. I'll have to try it. All right. Good stuff, guys. So let's dive into our starting lineup today. And we're going to start with that. Uh, the CCHA final yesterday between Minnesota State, Mankato, and Bemidji State. Did you guys see what happened in this game? No, no. Okay, it's absolutely hectic. They're playing for the CCHA title. Two top teams. I think Minnesota State is the number one team in the country. And um, so they're playing. They go to overtime. It's 1-1. They're both trying to make – Bemidji needs to win to make the tournament. And Minnesota State's trying to win and get the number one overall seed. And it goes to overtime. Minnesota State Mankato comes in. The guy makes a move, goes around the goalie, and the goalie tries to, like, kick his – his skate and his pad to the to the back post and the guy kind of rounds him and he put slides it past him in overtime game over Minnesota State wins two to one in overtime they bring out the trophy the place is going crazy they take pictures with the trophy like the whole stadium clears out the refs leave the arena the players get undressed they're all celebrating but then suddenly there's a conference on the ice between the coaches and people from like the conference and they go back and watch the replay. And what they realize is, is that the goalie attempting to get his, his skate there kicks the the post and at the absolute millisecond that it needed to be lifts the, the, the net off the ice just enough that the puck can slide under the net. So it didn't actually go in. It went. (laughs) So it got in the net, but illegally underneath the pipe yes but it's so fast and so crazy and so unlikely that they just assumed it was a good goal 
So like an hour and a half after the game, when no fans are there anymore, they had to get dressed. They had to get their refs back to the arena to restart this game to have a fair ending. They've already had the trophy presentation. Now, luckily, like two minutes into it, Minnesota State scores the winner anyways, and all was for naught. But this was like a hectic story that just so happened to be uh, Minnesota college hockey. Wow. I mean, good on them, I guess, for like going through and bringing everybody back. I could just as well imagine them being like, that's just how it is. I mean, like it was that close and we didn't know. And I think if both teams were going to make the tournament, they might have just did that. But I think Bemidji was like, we're, our season's done here. Like, you've yeah. got it. We we have to play this out. I mean, wow. what's the statute? What's the statute of limitations on like replay though? Like, it needs I think to be like ten minutes, let alone three yeah, hours, dude. I think, especially for like a game winner in overtime, there should be a replay, something that just like makes sure that it went in, okay, it. You know what I mean? I don't know what the replay situation is in college hockey, but I feel like you know if the team bus is running <laughs> and everyone's yeah. in the shower, uh, we're just gonna call the game over. Yeah, that's wild, dude. All right. uh, Also, that's like, sorry, that's like, that's like in the NFL, like they look at it, they call it a touchdown. And then the next day they're like, well, actually this one tiny part of his toe was on the line. Like that, that's, that's over. We're not, you know what I mean? Like you can't go back and, and redo it. So crazy. No, we don't talk a lot of college hockey on here, um, but they did just today announce the final 16 teams for the NCAA tournament. The number one overall seed probably would have been the Gophers if they would have won over the weekend, but they lost 4-3 at home to Michigan. Michigan gets the number one overall seed. They play American International. Quinnipiac and St. Cloud State round out their bracket. So there's a Minnesota team for you. Um, Mm -hmm. On the bottom half of that side, you have Denver as the top seed, UMass Lowell, Minnesota Duluth, who's red hot, and Michigan Tech. There's a Minnesota team for you, two on that bracket, on that that half. on the other side, you have the number two overall seed, Minnesota State, playing Harvard. They're also paired up with North Dakota and Notre Dame. A lot of big names in that one. And then uh, the other half of that is Western Michigan versus Northeastern and Minnesota versus Massachusetts. So the reason I bring this up is because last year we wanted the all-Minnesota Final Four teams. And I believe that three of the four made it. And then it was close. none of them won the title <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like three, and then it was whoever won some like East like Coast Boston? fucking bullshit was it like team. Boston University, yeah, yeah. Or Boston like, College. I think with how it played out, there was at one point there were six teams left, and five of them were Minnesota teams. And then we still lost, and they still none of them won it. <laughs> so how many? How many do we have this year in four. five? There's four, four. Four of them are in, and there's four little mini, you know, mini brackets of four that are headed to the final four. And each of those little mini brackets has a Minnesota team. So it could happen so again. It could happen. St. Cloud state versus Minnesota Duluth, Minnesota state Mankato versus the Gophers in the final four. That's what we're cheering for. That's, That's the only cool. way we can ever call ourselves the state of hockey again. I mean, I think the fact that we just have so many good teams, <laughs> helps, but come on, yeah. we got to win one sometime. Well, I guess Duluth did win like three in a row or whatever it was. Yeah. So. UMD was really good. Don't tell us that we don't talk about college hockey. Anyone. All right, uh, and then uh, finally, in our favorite sport, Jake Paul offers Kanye and Skeet Davidson $30 million apiece to box each other. I'd pay for this. Yeah, I think I'd come over to your house for this one. I'd pay for this. I would. I, would I, don't, I don't think Pete Davidson could last 45 seconds in a boxing With match. anybody or with Kanye specifically? With anybody. 
Yeah. I think 45 minutes to bulk up. He's very skinny. Well, I just think 45 seconds of physical activity might like cause his heart to stop. Yeah, that that's fair. And I just, I don't feel like he's a fighter at all. I don't know that Kanye is either. Although Kanye did punch like a journalist in the face and he's getting sued for that. So he at least knows how to throw a punch. I don't know how tough he is, but yeah, Skeet would probably go down on this one. I think that there's like a 70% chance that in just hideous, terrible fashion, Kanye would win. But I do think there's like a 30% chance that that Skeet would absolutely pound his face in. Skeet has the length. So Skeet would be popping him. And if Kanye can't take like any punches at all, like they don't even have to be hard, then Skeet has a chance. This would be the shortest fight in the history. They would both there. It w- if it went to a second round, they both would be just completely gassed. We know that Kanye would stop it eight seconds in because the the lighting wasn't right, like he asked for, and he has a disadvantage, and the world's against him. It's a conspiracy for him to lose. Uh, yeah, yeah, he wouldn't even go with it. He'd have some reason to back out last yeah, minute. This, uh, yeah, as I say, this is all assuming Kanye even shows up. Right. All yeah. right. This brings me to this movie quote. Okay. When I'm trying to think of who's going to win this fight, Tyler Durden. Okay. Any historic figure narrator, I'd fight Gandhi Durden. Good answer. Narrator. How about you? Durden Lincoln narrator, Lincoln Durden, big guy, big reach, skinny guys fight till their burger. I think that Skeet Davidson beats his ass. (laughs) They fight till their burger. I love it. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's move on to the main event. And I think that there's only one team deserving of the main event this week. And that is the um, hottest team in Minnesota. All right. The, the main story of Minnesota, the only thing that we should be talking about, and that is the Minnesota Twins. There's no reason not to talk about them. <laughs> Fuck you. Literally. No, they deserve it. They this do. is their like, chance. This they, is their week. Absolutely. And I need to it. find out what the fuck's going on. You need to tell me. This is why I, I listen to this podcast live while we record it. So you can tell me so, what's going on. <laughs> the twins have been absolutely, Falvey and Levine, the two guys who are running the team, the poll ads, the owners, everyone who has any part of running the twins has been just absolutely taking on water over the last couple of months about how they've run this team, how poorly it's been run how low the payroll is. They have no plan. Are they in selling? Are they trying to compete? No one knows. So it all started with a couple moves that they made. So they traded Mitch Garver. Is that right, Ryan? Yes. They traded Mitch Garver for a middle infielder from Texas. And everyone was like, okay, whatever. Lateral move. Who cares? Kaneer uh, Falafel or whatever yeah. his name was. Yeah. So then they, they flip him and uh, Josh Donaldson's massive contract to the Yankees. For Gary Sanchez, who's a bigger name than he is player, and um, Ursula, Gio Ursula, a kind of like good third baseman. And again, it's like this weird move. We were kind of like, did we get better? We just kind of like moved pieces around. It was like we were making these moves. We traded our first round pick from last year for Sonny Gray. I think we talked about that last week. He's like a nice middle of the rotation starter. Everyone was like, what the hell is this team doing? And then out of nowhere, (laughs) this week, they drop a three-year, $105 million contract on the number one free agent in baseball, Carlos Correa, the shortstop from the Astros, who is like one of the better middle infielders in baseball and is now the highest paid middle infielder in all of baseball. This move absolutely flabbergasted Twins fans and writers and national baseball writers alike. 
Everyone was stunned. Players were stunned. This is like the weirdest move of all time. And everyone is really quick to say that this is uh, um, Correa can get out after one year and after two years and that he's probably trying to pedal this thing into a big, huge long-term contract with somebody. But who cares? Because the Twins also want a little protection and not getting trapped for the, for the long-term paying someone the highest middle infield wage or infield wage, I guess, in all of baseball. The fourth highest paid player per season in Major League Baseball is on the we Twins. We got as a twin. That's insane. They, you think that, like, top all four would be like Yankees, you know? It's the Yankees. Well, or Dodgers or Red Sox. It's the sure. Yankees, the Mets, and the, the Angels have the three highest paid players. So New York, New York, and L.A. And then... Sure. The Minnesota Twins are in fourth place, signing a prime-aged middle infielder who was the number one pick in the draft the year that Buxton was the number two pick in the draft. Yeah, they were they were one and two. Yeah. So this move is absolutely bonkers. Like I can't even believe that the Twins did this. Uh, and then, you know, it still has everybody saying, "Well, the Twins still stink. They still don't have any pitching." But now the big rumors are that they're going to try to trade maybe some of their good young players and prospects to get Frankie Montas from the A's, who's like a 28-year-old fringe ace pitcher who's on a good deal right now. Don't do this and to me, Eric. Don't, don't do this to me. You're gonna, <laughs> the, the what twins, would surprise you now? Now you have to keep nothing, everything. You're, exactly. I, now anything what, can One happen. of my good friends from Chicago was literally texting me at 1.10 a.m. being like, dude, wake up. The Twins just signed Korea. And the text I sent back was, stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, I thought he had been, you know, it's the tournament. He's been drinking, like having a good time. Like, oh yeah, the twin side Korea. And then he was like, look for yourself. I was like, son of a bitch. Let me He's open up right. Twitter. Oh my God, it's real. Yeah. So this is a crazy, crazy, crazy move. Um, I think that this is going to be paired with another move. And I do think that um, Manea and Montez, the two pitchers from the A's, the A's are desperately trying to sell. Oh, they've already sold their two best hitters. Yeah. They, and they want to get guys under team control. Um, so here's my trade, okay? I sent this trade. And you wonder what? I have to say, we, we prop up a lot of friends of the pod. But I'm going to tell you guys that friend of the pod, Phil Mackey, didn't respond to this trade idea. And I'm a little, I'm a little offended by it. Yeah, I would be. Friend of the pod, Phil Mackey. Um, but here's what I will say. This was the trade I came up with. It's giving up a lot, but I think it's the kind of move that needs to happen if the Twins want to be contenders. So in this trade, uh, Manea, the 30-year-old, 6'5", lefty, and Montas, the 28-year-old righty, who's kind of the ace of the A's, come to the Twins, both of them, okay? Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, it's already – I can already understand why Phil was like, yeah, sure. They're trying to trade both these guys. We trade Royce Lewis, our number one one prospect, right? Oh, also friend of the pod. Can't do it. Got to get rid of him. Um, Balasovic, the, I don't know, right-handed pitcher, big prospect, probably our best pitching prospect. And then Luis Arise, the team friendly contract under control, um, you know, hitting machine, second baseman. I like him. You're giving up three really good assets to them for a guy in this final year of his contract and a guy in the final two years of his contract, both of whom are going to need big deals in the next couple of years. They want to cash in. You're giving up a lot of, of, ammo to get these guys but suddenly that rotation is those two guys with ryan and sunny gray and whoever else and it's that's a pretty damn good team at bailey, that point bailey o'bear 
I think yeah. I think um, the A's could probably get a haul like that, maybe for each of those guys or something similar. So I think that that's why they probably want to do it individually. I like I love the enthusiasm. I love I love the proposal of the like fanatical trade. You know where you're just like that would never happen. But the twins signed Correa, so we can't say nothing is possible at this I, point. I think Ryan just said that he wouldn't have responded to it either. And yeah. I think that you should be. Pissed. No, I think yeah. it's. I think yeah. it's when you're when you're trading like two veteran starting pitchers for, um, Royce Lewis, another unproven pitcher, and Luis Arias. I think Oakland would say, "We'll give you either one of the pitchers for that haul." That's. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was Oakland, I mean, Eric, if you were Oakland, if you were Moneyball, Billy Bean, that's what you would say too. Be like, no, we'll get that for one guy. Why would we do that for both? Hmm. All right. Well, so anyways, way, can we can we circle all the way back to Falvey and Levine and the yeah. Pullheads? Because I think this that's where this comes full circle. Um, you were absolutely right. It was a it was a sinking ship, like with the fandom. I mean, like the first year we had it, we were like we are on the trajectory of the decade. We're going to be the best hitting team in the history of the world, and they have since crapped the bed and fallen. So far that we are picked, we are projected to be last before all these moves. We're projected to be last in the AL Central next year, which is disgustingly bad. Like worse right. than the Royals. That's embarrassing. And so they had to do something. I'm glad they got creative. Um, I, I hope, Eric, I think you mentioned that like maybe Sanchez or, or Shayla were going to be a, a, you know, kind of like a leapfrog thing where they were going to, you know, turn around and, and spin those guys for other players. Um, I'd kind of like to keep them uh, just to see what we can do, but we still need pitching. So if we're able to, like you said, flip flip some of the maybe young prospects and and maybe a decent asset like Arias for uh, at least one other arm. I saw uh, I, the thing I saw today was that if you wanted Montas to come in, who was the more coveted pitcher, he's two years younger. He had the better year last year. He he was unhittable at some points. They said. You can only get him if Arise, Kirloff, or Lewis, one of those three plus others, are in the deal, was kind of okay. what we're saying. So the price is going to be high. I think they need to do it. I think they need to go for it here. A lot of uh, smoke on the Twins going to trade for pitching um, fire coming from that right yeah. now. So I'm, I think this is exciting. And like we said, we, we, we shit on the Twins a lot, and they deserve some praise here. Because damn it, if you're not going to be good, then at least be interesting. And mm-hmm. they for sure are interesting right now. And worst case scenario, it blows up in their face, and you trade Correa for a haul of guys at the deadline. Can I ask you uh, maybe like a I don't know, it's like an administrative question. It like remember when Kirk Cousins got like a fully guaranteed contract, and I think that was one of the first ones in the NFL. It was like the first one fully guaranteed. Yeah, mm-hmm. is this new like three year? With two opt-outs, going to be the new norm for big money-seeking players like Correa. You know, like if if Bryce Harper had would have had that option a few years ago, would he would he have taken you know a three-year, hundred million dollar deal with two opt-outs? You know, if he had a fantastic season, do you think that will become the new norm in baseball? I mean, it just is the same deal that LeBron has taken now for the past ten years. I mean, LeBron kind of started this. Right, but we've he, never seen it in baseball, though. Usually no, exactly. baseball is like the 10-year, you know, like long-term deals. Yeah, I mean, you just saw um, the number one young player in baseball. I mean, maybe that's not fair. Uh, 
Wander Franco. If he's not the number one, he's he's in the top five. Like he's yeah. he was the number one prospect. People think he's like the best prospect that's been in baseball in years. He just signed a twelve-year deal for like a hundred and fifty million or something like that. And that was because he was like six or seven years ahead of when he could have negotiated that contract. Yeah. So they got him to take pretty much half of the money for a much longer period of time and guaranteed he'd be very rich. Fernando Tatis did the same thing. You know, he probably could have made twice as much money if he would have waited three years, but he was like, why would I wait three years? I'm going to get in a bunch of motorcycle accidents. So, you know, <laughs> these guys could, can do that. And so I think that the epic young superstars are still going to sign these crazy long deals that kind of like secure their future and give a big bargain to their teams. Whereas anyone who makes it to that first contract is going to play it like Correa did here where he could stay. If he gets hurt, he'll stay and be the fifth highest paid guy in baseball or whatever it will be next year. And if he has a great year, he can opt out and then shop himself around again, wherever he wants to go. So it's just power to the players and it's annoying if a guy leaves your team, but it's good for sports, I think, in general. Does he have a no-trade clause in there, too? I'm sure he does. I mean, any big player in baseball seems to have, be able to make their own list of where they want to go. But he's like, this is like a mercenary contract. So I think that he knows that if it doesn't go well, the Twins will trade him at the deadline to save money. And then he doesn't have to stay wherever he goes. So he could just mercenary pick whatever team he wants and then be a free agent next time. And we, and we could get a massive haul for it easily. And we could get a bunch of prospects. So I think yeah. it's like, it's it's a very short-term move for everybody, um, but it's a pretty low-risk move when it comes to the Twins and to Correa. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Cool. I think it's super fun, and I'm really excited about it. Um, and especially if he's like, quote-unquote, in a contract year every year where he thinks he could get more money, I mean, he's going to smash 40 home runs and have 120 RBIs, and I'm all all for that. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the Vikings quickly. They didn't do anything too crazy. And I know Vikings fans have already turned on every new person with the team because we didn't go out and sign the four best free agents and we didn't trade everybody. And I don't know. I don't know what people wanted. They inherited a, a tough situation with terrible salary cap and a pretty strapped roster that had already been kind of kicked into the future a little bit. So I don't know other than just constantly pushing money into the future and having less money in the future, what they could do. Um, they tried to move guys, but they didn't have a lot of leverage on some of those. And so I think that their idea is kind of like take year one, reevaluate the the roster, get everyone a year closer to free agency, get the cap situation under control a year or two from now, and don't push today's problems to tomorrow. And then, you know, reevaluate and then probably draft a quarterback next year, let him start the season as number two and end up replacing cousins at some point. So that's my guess. They did sign a couple guys. They signed uh, Jordan Hicks, a linebacker who is like 30 years old and from Arizona. He's like an average linebacker. He'll be, he'll be fine. He's never going to be a star for us, but he'll be a nice starter. Doesn't miss, still, games. Doesn't miss games though. Yeah. Just a good grinder middle linebacker who can play in a three, four Harrison Phillips replaces Michael Pierce, who we released. The money is pretty much even there. He's hopefully a more reliable and healthier uh, version of Michael Pierce. Um, they brought in tight end Johnny Munt, who was like a backup, backup, backup tight end for the Rams. And we brought in offensive lineman Austin Schlotman, who was a backup offensive lineman from the Broncos. So we haven't really done anything. No big splashes, no big names coming in. Um, but it was more that they renegotiated some contracts and moved some money around 
which I was just talking about with Thielen, Harrison Smith, and then the big one was Daniil Hunter, who they were trying to trade, but I think Daniil Hunter was making it difficult to trade him. And so they ended Why? up having to keep him. Um, I think it's because of how his contract is structured. He could he makes tons of money um, this year, and he makes very little money next year. And my guess is he's going to be a pain in the butt after this year, especially if he has a good season, and he'll hold out until he makes more money again. And so I think that teams mm-hmm. probably were like, this dude just missed 26 games in two years, and he wants all this money. His cap hit is through the roof. And the Vikings don't really have any leverage in trading him. And so I'm okay. assuming everyone was like, we'll give you a fifth round pick for him. And they were like, it's like a 27 year old pass rusher. who's really, really, really I good. Mean, maybe like, yeah, top five at his position easily. So I think that they, ju- I think they wanted to move on from him, but I just think that they weren't in the vicinity of the value they needed to get to be comfortable trading him. And so instead he's back for, well, and they had, like- they had a, they had a lot of priorities too, to get to. Right. I mean, Daniil couldn't have been that high. And and I don't know, maybe maybe the current coaching staff feels like, you know, they could get a little bit more out of him now that we've traded our apparently like horrific or uh, let go or apparently like horrific athletic trainer that yeah. it yeah. like ignores injuries for players. It's just the most bizarre story I've ever heard. Um, yeah, that was weird. So maybe we get like an athletic training staff and they feel a little bit more confident about, you know, keeping his health where it needs to be. So um, I don't know. I, I like all, I like all these moves because these are the unsexiest moves possible. And, but those are always the ones that pay off right in the long run. It's not the splashy free agent signing, which is cool to win the press conference, but I feel like you sign a guy like Austin, Austin Schlotman. I almost said Austin, Austin Schlotman, and you're like, yeah, that guy sucks. And then, you know, maybe Quasi and KOC know something we don't and uh, figure out like, oh, he's significantly better than Ole Udo as a backup and can play, you know, as like a normal offensive lineman that we could we could use. So um, I like I like this the additional signing of interior depth um, offensively and defensively. It's always, like I said, unsexy, but necessary if you actually want to compete which leaves us in this weird spot because i think the wilfs believe that we're still a contender but we're probably not i think you're gonna get another really average season and that's gonna make everyone lose faith instantly in our coach and our gm but it's just gonna be a team that's not really their team that they're trying to evaluate a little bit here um it does kind of set you up for where you're gonna go in the draft i'm gonna guess in the draft they're gonna go with a corner I'm going to guess it's going to be Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU. I just can't really imagine too many other scenarios. Um, That's fine. The LSU to Minnesota pipeline is strong. It is. So I do think they're going to draft a corner. Um, He'll probably be the second or third corner off the board. And that's what we're really really short right now. So, I mean, you do have a good quarterback, a good running back, good tight end, good receivers – You've got a good chunk of your line kind of settled. Your front seven should be mostly settled at this point. I'm sure they'd like to add another pass rusher. Um, I, I'm going to give you another name to look out for. David Ajabo, the defensive end edge rusher from Michigan. He just blew his Achilles in his pro day. A lot of people thought he was going to go to the Vikings in the first round. And I'm going to look at that name in the second round now. So you're kind of betting on his future. Um, but that's a name I would look at for them in the second round. But I just, I don't know. 
I don't think anyone should be too excited or too bummed out about the Vikings. They're going to be the Vikings. What other moves do you think there are, Eric, if any? At this point, I mean, they've pretty much locked up that they're not going to trade Thielen. They're not going to get rid of Cook. They're not going to get rid of Cousins. They're not going to get rid of their O-line guys. Like, they're definitely not getting rid of Harrison Smith now. They're not getting rid of Daniel Hunter now. I mean, I kind of think they've kind of locked themselves in with almost the same roster, which feels a little weird. I would guess that the one guy who could move on that's kind of a name is Eric Kendricks, maybe, still. I would assume he's back, but, like, if you told me that one of the big expensive guys got cut or traded at some point, he'd be the most likely name, as we just haven't really heard much about him. Um, But I don't know. I think it's just going to be kind of like run it back, and I think they're kind of blaming the coaching staff and – um, Zimmer a lot. Well, I think and, the, and Spielman. Yeah, I yeah. think the Wilts believe that this was a really good roster and had really good players and they were really undercoached and they got outcoached in a lot of games. That's why they lost a lot of close games. And I think they're kind of betting on like, oh, if we have better coaches, we will. We'll get more out of this team and we'll be better. So Interesting. I think offensively that will be true, but I think defensively there's – there's still a, a lot of positions that need help. There's still yeah. a mess on yeah. the, and even um, like from an offensive line perspective, that that there's still question marks there. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I mean, they're shifting to a new scheme, uh, a new defensive formation with guys who never played there, um, at least on this roster, probably not yeah. in college either. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. They got their work cut out for them. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to other NFL news. Um, a couple big things. Our neighbors uh, to the east, the Green Bay Packers, spent all the money on Aaron Rodgers, and then they uh, lost their star receiver, Devontae Adams. Um, this is so funny to me. Is Devontae the best receiver in the NFL? Um, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick one, I think I'd pick him, yeah. So what would you say is the step down from Devontae Adams to Alan Lazard? Uh, or just... Randall Cobb? <laughs> I mean, their number one receiver and probably their number two receiver aren't on their team yet. I do hope that they spend a bunch of money to bring Valdez Scantling back. That'd be so funny to me as well. Um, My dream scenario is they bring in Julio Jones. Like, I just don't know if something could make me as happy as that. Uh, (laughs) I ultimately, though, they did get a first and a second round picks. They now have two first and two seconds. So that's a lot of ammo to go get receivers, either in a trade or in the draft. So I have a feeling that the Packers are going to package some picks together and they're going to move up maybe ahead of the Vikings, not because they need to beat the Vikings this pick, but just in that area around like nine or 10. And they're going to take the number one receiver in the draft. And I think it'd be this guy named, his name's Drake London from USC. Um, I'm going to assume it's going to be something like that, some kind of move like that. And they're going to go up and get their next big receiver, and who knows? I mean, maybe it will work out for them, but it won't be Devontae Adams, who is um, a, a little bit better version of Jefferson. And I mean that as like a true compliment because I think Jefferson is about as good as it gets. And I think his ceiling is like peak Devontae Adams. And so it's just an uncoverable guy who's always open, who runs perfect routes, who wins contested balls. And the craziest thing about it is, is he had a 32% share of their targets last year. So a third of the passes went to him for the whole entire season. I mean, that. how do you replace that in an offense? And so, there was a – are you talking about Devontae? Yeah. 
Okay, sorry. I thought you were talking about Jefferson because I was like, there was also a point at time in the season where he had like three targets in three games or something. So no, Adams, he had a billion targets all year. I don't think they can replace that. I think that this, I I think the Packers have gotten worse this offseason. I mean, they've lost a lot of talent and they'll still be good. Don't get me wrong. They have Aaron Rodgers. They're still going to be good. At some point, Aaron Rodgers' MVP form runs out. And if it's not this year, it's next year. But losing Devontae Adams is a killer for them. And it really hurts what they want to do on on, uh, offense. So look for the Packers to make a bunch of moves. I'm going to guess that they are going to end up with like um, – I have to think of a receiver that they could trade for. Someone like um, Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker from the Dolphins. You know, they're going to go get some guy like that. Like just some dude. Oh, oh, I have a perfect one. That guy doesn't scare me. Tyler Lockett. Mm -hmm. That's who they're going to do. Okay. They're going to go trade a pick for Tyler Lockett or they're going to, you know, that's, they're going to do something like that. Have Tyler Lockett run on grass all season instead of turf and see how good he actually is. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) um, Eric, what do you pay to the potential rumors of Zadarius Smith coming to the Vikings? I think that was a Daniil Hunter replacement. And so I would guess he's not. Uh, Okay. So it's being floated if they were able to trade Hunter, but. They didn't, I think and that, they extended him technically. So I think that they wanted to get rid of Hunter, get maybe a second round pick, and then bring in Darius to replace him because they have their edge rush guy is now the coach of that for the the Vikings. Yep. Um, so I would guess now at this point that it's probably pretty dead. Um, but who knows? Never say never. I guess I, I don't totally know what their little re four is going to look like. So I. I in my mind, they kind of play the same position in this, but I guess I'm, I'm not totally sure what it's going to look like. I think that's kind of the coolest part about this. I mean, literally entire new staff, pretty much top to bottom, um, yeah. is we don't know what to expect. And yeah. I think it's cool. Uh, maybe they maybe they were slow playing a little bit. You know, um, you don't want to piss off the bosses in the first two months, you know, and have the Wilfs be like, they traded away Daniil Hunter and Kirk Cousins yeah. and they undercut the whole roster, you know, so maybe it was sort of like a, a compromise of, you know, we'll keep a couple of these guys. We'll let Tyler Conklin go. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, there, there, there's probably like a political aspect to this where, like I said, the Wilfs want to, and you've alluded this to Eric, kind of run it back with the same squad that they feel will be better coached um, with different results. I, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't think it's going to change a whole lot, but uh, maybe a couple cool moves here and there, you know, could could spring us over the top. I think it's fun. It, it's fun to speculate. And and now that Zimmer is gone, we don't really know what to expect from Quase and KOC. So it's a it's a lot of fun. So the other big move this week was Deshaun Watson getting trade traded from Houston to Cleveland for three number ones, a number three, and a number five. One of the biggest hauls in NFL history in a trade. And not only that. Um, I, here's what I will say. I, I'm gonna. I, I don't think that he, at this point, shouldn't be able to play in the NFL. But I, I do think that this is all a really bad look. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you saw what happened here. The Browns then gave him an extension to be one of the highest paid players in NFL history. They gave him the most guaranteed money in NFL history. They gave him $230 million on the new contract, and they made it so his salary for his first year is $1 million. So when he inevitably gets... Um, suspended for the women that he assaulted, he isn't going to lose any of his money. I think that the NFL um, really made a mess out of this. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I don't, he did sit out a year and he's going to get a big severe punishment here. But I think allowing the Browns to completely circumvent all punishment to someone for doing something like this is a disgusting look. And it really sucks. Um, the Browns are coming out. They're taking, taking on water from everybody right now as they probably deserve to. And it just seems alarming that he didn't play for a year. He has all these things hanging over his head. And he got $230 million. If you're counting at home, guys, that's $10 million for each woman that he assaulted and then $10 extra million for the next one who comes forward. I mean, this is a disgusting amount of money for a guy who doesn't deserve it. Wow. Interesting take. Yeah, no kidding. I think any team that did this and pulled the trigger on this was going to take a lot of hot water. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like they didn't do a great job. And I did not know that they sort of – structured in a way to like lessen the what the nhl or nfl can do to him that's fucking weird he's gonna get suspended for like half a year and that's great but it's gonna cost him like half a million dollars right so there's no Uh, there's no rest comes after his suspension there's no financial punishment and you know i've seen a lot of people comparing this to like the michael vick situation i think that's so different because vick spent you know 14 months or i forget what his sentence was like but in prison like this, Michael Vick signed after he did, like he served his punishment. Yeah. Um, Watson thus far hasn't necessarily received any legal ramifications, although, you know, was sat out by the league. Um, so there's a financial one there, but he wasn't making that much money that was, you know, you know, it wasn't like he had $230 million that was then going to be taken away from him. So I I'm on the same wavelength is Eric also like the Browns are kind of like a slimy organization anyway. Um, so I would expect nothing less uh, mm-hmm. from them, but to be able to like, you just, you wouldn't feel right. Like if, if the Vikings had traded for Deshaun Watson, I would feel icky, disgusting, mm-hmm. like how demeaning to the, I... to the women that are like to the, to the women and be like, I'm going to cheer for, the guy who assaulted a bunch of massagers, you know, masseuse women, like that's just, it, that's just gross. And disgusting. I just want everyone to know though, this is my only complaint here. This guy doesn't deserve to be cheered for, but I'm so sick of hearing these like journalists tell me, Oh gosh, this is so disgusting and terrible, but also let's celebrate big Ben's last game. Big Ben raped people. Big Ben yeah. is a rapist. Why did anyone, why did we let that go? Kobe Bryant raped someone. Why do we let that one? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to hear people tell me how great Kobe is and then also how terrible Sean Watson is. They're all terrible. And it's just you don't get to pick and choose. Um, yeah. And so to me, I think that you would be alarmed if you saw how many teams in the NFL didn't give a fuck and tried to trade Oh, for, for sure. They oh, don't care. Like, I'm going to guess 20 teams. 20. I'm going to guess into it. Including yeah. the Vikings, for sure. I mean, maybe slightly sure. fewer than that, that are all set with a QB. But yeah, I would say it's at least half of the NFL. Like, you know what I mean? Like they had, to, they didn't have a QB, and they had enough assets to trade, and the or owner was on board. And they just knew that this guy was much better, and they were just like, "I think that I bet you twenty teams at least called them and said, what's it going to take?' Don't yeah. tell them. Don't tell I suppose them. the teams with pretty good QBs." had a leg up, right? Because they could trade that pretty good QB to the Texans and then plus and plus and plus. And then, yeah. Yeah. So that wouldn't necessarily take them out of the running. All right, let's move on to some other stuff. Uh, We got to start with the Minnesota Wild. They traded a third round pick for, I'm not going to be able to say this guy's name. 
Nicholas Deslauriers. D e s l a u r i e r s. All I know is that Felino Del- calls him. It's Delorier. Delorier. All I know is that Felino calls him Delo. Yeah, dude, we got two Delos in town. We'll let it go. Yeah, we'll we'll allow it. So the other move that we made, so that was for us. We traded a third round pick for him. He's like a fourth line grinder fighter, tough guy who's got some skill. He's like a modern enforcer, but like yeah isn't necessarily like that he's not going out for fights, but like he takes a lot of penalty minutes for hitting so, a lot of people. I had, I heard that part of the reason that they wanted to do this was that Felino is having to kind of be the tough guy on the team. And it's kind of taking away from his game, which is also really important to us scoring a lot of goals. He has like 20 goals on the year. And so I think that it was kind of like Felino can't just be going out there and protecting everyone, you know, Kaprizov all day. He's got to, he's playing too big a minutes for us. And so I think they wanted a big, huge, tough guy to add to the team. And then just in the last few minutes, the Wild made a trade. They traded um, McBain. I think his name's Jack McBain. And he was like a really good player who wouldn't, he was refusing to sign with us and didn't want to play for the Wild um, because he thought that there was too much competition in his way. So he was like not yet a professional, but we held his rights and we just traded him for a second round pick. Sweet. That's actually a pretty good haul. Who was the other kid we got from Colorado? Ty something? Um, Tyler Jost. Jost, yeah. He's he's like a North Dakota kid, played at UND. So it made some like kind of fringe, like fourth line moves and they traded a prospect for a pick. Um, And still we need a goaltender. (laughs) I, I do think that um, the, the problem is that we want Marc-Andre Fleury, the goalie from the Blackhawks, the super experienced goalie from the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks are demanding a first-round pick. And we are like, dude, we're not giving you a first-round pick for a rental of Marc-Andre Fleury. So I have this feeling that this McBain trade for a second-round pick is going to help fund us getting Marc-Andre Fleury for like a second and more is going to be my guess. So I'm going to assume that they still make a goalie trade here and they bring in an underwhelming player like Marc-Andre Fleury, and it's not enough to get us into contention. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury's got to be, like, 37 years old now, or 38. Like, he's not a young whippersnapper. I mean, he was drafted as a rookie by the Penguins back in the day, and then he was an expansion player. Yeah. I I mean, how is that? I I don't know. Is that different than Cam Talbot at this point? I don't know. I really really don't. I, I will say this, though. With really bad cap hell on the horizon here and a good young roster, I really don't want to be burning it down with trading picks and prospects. Don't. Because yeah, I, just just go with what you got. I, I think at this point, like, you're young and you're talented and you're deep and you have tons of prospects. And if you're going to have salary cap problems, the best way to get around that is by just constantly bringing up guys making 800000 Yes. We're really good. It's the Matt Boldies. Have... It's the Matt Boldies of the world that are going to change your roster, not Mark Andre Fleury's. And so I just don't really mm-hmm. want us to mortgage the future because I think having Kaprizov and having Boldy and having Rossi and Erickson Eck and you know some of these good young players, it should keep your window at least partially open for the next few years, even yeah. if you don't have tons of money. And so assuming that the glad. NFL do, or the NHL doesn't expand again and like take a bunch of players yeah. away. Um, yeah. Plus like that. I mean, we saw that with Chuck Fletcher for how, I mean, however long he was the general manager of constantly mortgaging the future 
to limp into the playoffs, get absolutely wham-basted out in the first or second round, and then do the same thing the next year. And you never had any of those guys that Eric's talking about, the the Boldies and the Rossies and, you know, uh, whoever, you know, whoever you don't have a pipeline going for from the AHL. So um, I think it's important to keep those for now. And hopefully uh, Bill Guerin, unless a Godfather offer comes for like a, a season saving netminder, like a, you know, like Dubnik did the one year, um, I would say just let's just pass. We'd just go with Cap, you know, Kakinen and Talbot and it gets us where it gets us. And we have much bigger issues to, to worry about. All right. Let's move on to the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. All right. So yeah. the, the Wolves keep on winning, but they haven't moved in weeks. <laughs> it's, well, it's the they truck. have a tiny bit recently. <laughs> it's the truck that can't no, be stopped, they, but not catch up to anyone else. No, but right. they haven't moved a position in the standings True. in like a month. They keep it's on winning, and it just doesn't matter. They can imagine can't. if they hadn't won like this? That would have been <laughs> – although the teams below us really weren't creeping on us. It was just everybody – we're at the bottom of a line of very fucking great teams, apparently. Yeah, so they keep on winning this week. Um, they did have one disappointing game about a week ago against Orlando, but since then it was more of the same. 60-point night for Towns, uh, you know, a controversial domination of the Lakers that – got the Wolves in some hot water with national pundits and uh, they're slowly but surely catching up with Denver for the sixth seed. It is very slow, but I mean, all we do is win. Did you see the, the um, Timberwolves, you know, Minnesota Timberwolves Twitter account is now Minnesota Timberwolves. I do like, like that. that. And I do, like, baby. I do like the fact that right now the Spurs are beating the Warriors as we're recording this. And the Celtics are absolutely dummying the Nuggets by 25. <laughs> no, it's really it's 28 huge. now. Oh, thank so, God, dude. So we'll jump them into the six, I think. I all I want is the six. I don't even <laughs> care that we most likely aren't gonna win a series. Like, I'm not saying we can't win a series, but you're the underdog, you're going on the road, you have yeah. no playoff experience on this roster. The most experienced guy is Pat Bev, and he hasn't won shit. I mean, this well, is but, a very not experienced playoff roster. You also have but nothing to lose. A series is what yeah. we need. Yeah. Yep. Get a series. I just want a series. If we went out and lose in six games, I'll be like, you know what? Can't wait for next year. But the only thing that could disappoint me is if that we is if we end up in the play-in tournament and we lose out and don't get a series. You lost. That would be the only thing that would actually disappoint me. Because I mean, forever, dude. Like we were talking before the pod, dude. They started two and ten in our first twelve games. So we had written them off already, and then things started to build. And since the All-Star break, dude, we're one of the best teams in the league. So um, it's been awesome. But, yeah, that that's the one thing. Like, the play-in tournament, losing the play-in tournament would suck. Otherwise, dude, get a series. It's going to be so much fun. We'll see you at Target Center. Can't wait. Can't wait. And the big thing has just been, I think, um, D'Lo becoming a more mature player. I don't even know yeah. if he's become a. I don't know if he's become a better player, shooting wise, scoring wise, anything. I think he just has been less wasteful, and I think that that has really shown up as he has become kind of like this mature driving force on the offense um, mm-hmm. that he wasn't in years past, and he definitely wasn't last year for us. Um, taking smarter shots, um, facilitating more than he had in the past. Um, I think that's been a big boost. Obviously, a nice little step taken by uh, Anthony Edwards. 
Yep. Um, some good role players who have at least improved. And obviously Towns moving moving on up as one of the top big men in the league. I mean, behind Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid, Towns is probably the, the top of the next tier of big men mm-hmm. in the NBA. Over Doncic? Absolutely. Yeah, this is his – well, Doncic, I don't know if you'd call him a – Nah, he plays like point guard, so I wouldn't really. But like, yeah, I would. I would say like those three guys are superior to him for sure. Mm -hmm. They do it everywhere on the court. They're just better. But I think that Towns is like such a serious weapon. He's everything that people thought Anthony Davis had been, um, or even I'm sorry, he's everything Anthony Davis was. Uh, Right, and he's just a really electric player. He's more intense on the defensive end, even if also, he's not good on the way more durable than Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yes. For real. Maybe maybe yeah, not as like maybe not as well, at least previously to the last three months, maybe not as like take over a game and be dominant level of Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, because Anthony Davis has been doing that like since he came into the league. But I think Towns realized oh, dude, dude, I can absolutely take over any game I want to. Um mm-hmm. I also wanted to touch on Eric's point about D'Lo, and I think this is so, like, coaching-related of, like, what a good coach um, we have in taking what the defense gives you. Like, D'Lo used to just force it, force it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm better than everyone. I could shoot he better than everyone. Like a, he played like James Harden on an off night all the time. Exactly. And <laughs> now, ISO, 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 brick. But now it's like – now it's like – he sees his role as more of like a leader quarterback type thing where it's more important to get everyone else involved and can take over if you need to. Right. And I think he's been much more efficient. I have no idea what he is on PER or like his shooting efficiency, but it just, the eye test says he's a lot more patient and Mm -hmm. is much more of a better teammate than he has ever been in the past. And I think that's been, super important to this team having the success that they've had in the second half of the season. I just think he's fine having an eight point game now. Right. As long as we win. I think that's the big piece with him. He's still averaging 19 points a game. So. Oh yeah. He has has a 32 point game every week, but I think that him not having to be this go-to shooter who is trying to create his own shot for himself all game, every game is a big piece of, of their they're moving on. Up, I wonder so. if I wonder if the like maybe the coaching staff or maybe some of the front office has said you actually are better and score more points when you shoot less. You know what I mean? Like like showing like real life data that says like, hey, yeah, when you get your shot, yeah. you're very effective. When you go rogue and try and do your own thing, you're shooting like 17%. And so maybe like that is kind of stuck in his head of like, if I'm open. Obviously, I, you know, I'm a very good shooter. I can make it, but don't try and yeah. do too much. And I, I think that's worked wonders with him. And I think just winning cures everything. <laughs> of course. Jim, yeah. Jimbo, as as a non, I don't know how much, uh, how long you played sports in your life, you know, like growing up. Gloss um, <laughs> over that. I think this is the, uh, this is the ultimate lesson of like, um, winning is fun. And it has, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you could be 500 and kind of have fun, but it's better to be 12 over 500. That's way more fun. And I think so, like you think about like high school sports. Like if you're on a really good team, the third string running back and the third string wide receiver are happy to come to practice and games because they're part of a winning team. And if you're on a bad team, 
the third string running back and third string wide receiver quit the team already. They're already in the transfer portal. And it sucks. No, they just don't. They're just smoking weed and playing 2K. Like, <laughs> they don't care. All right. And then moving on finally to some soccer talk. When it comes to the Premier League, um, real quickly, we spent a lot of time on the Premier League the last couple of weeks, but real quickly, it comes down to Jim's team, the Liverpool versus Man City. They're neck and neck. I think they're one point apart at this point. If Liverpool wins all their games, including their game against Man City, they will be the champions. I'm just hoping that I'm not even saying this in a rooting interest. I just hope that it really comes down to that game and like yeah. the winner of that game wins the title. Like that'd be that awesome. Is so electric. That's what they need. There's been too many seasons recently where it hasn't come down to that. And then um, in less exciting news, but still cool news, there's going to be a late season. It's unannounced at this point. It's like one of the only unannounced games, a late season game between Arsenal and Tottenham with fourth place on the line. So that'll be huge. Good. I love it. Two fun the title games. race is on. The race for top four is on. It's perfect. Wouldn't it be a lot more fun if the Premier League scheduled like City versus Chelsea the last week of the season? Liverpool versus Arsenal, Spurs versus West Ham. You know what I mean? Like kind of perennial top six, and then like put the relegated teams against each other and let them fight it out instead I of like they first play random. No, I know, but I'm just saying like yeah. they have. Their thumb on the scale, they could easily make. I think the schedule the last week, the last four games unscheduled, like deep into the you know until later in the season, and you know home game or away game, and maybe you know the date, and you have four possible opponents because those four teams are the ones you have to play, and so everyone's got two home games and two road games, and you know the date, so you could buy tickets, but you don't know who you're going to play, and then they could kind of pick your matchups late in the season. To make them the most exciting, it's like it's like flex flex scheduling essentially, yeah. like the NFL does. Yeah, and so if you guys said the bad. last week, and the last week was Arsenal at Spurs for fourth place, and City versus United for the title. I'm sorry, what could be bigger? I mean, maybe maybe they do, maybe they don't do that because of like TV rights and all that, but that can all be figured out. And also, like, imagine the amount of like police that would have to be dispersed throughout the entire like United Kingdom. Like, just to keep the peace if, like, Arsenal and Spurs are playing, you know. A lot of dudes in bowler hats with the big stick. That's scary shit, dude. So that's crazy. But then in other news, uh, the Champions League semifinal draw happened. Um, A couple of big teams. No, no, no. Quarterfinal. Quarterfinal draw. Sorry, the final eight teams happened. Uh, And a couple of big teams went out. Um, Ajax was one of them. they lost. I think that was kind of a surprise. And then uh, was it? They lost to your your boy, Unai Emery, right? Oh, that was real. No, that was. Um, uh, I don't even remember who that was. Someone else. Um, Ajax lost to Benfica on a late header. Oh. And so uh, your two big ones um, were are your big draws here. Chelsea Real Madrid is kind of the main one. That's kind of uh, crazy. It's the defending champs, Chelsea versus probably the most popular team in the world, Real Madrid. Um, Real Madrid got just dismantled at home today for nothing to their bitter rivals, Barcelona. So I'm going to pick Chelsea in that draw. Let's even, go. Right? Even in some turmoil, I think Chelsea wins that. Um, Chelsea had, well, we, we eliminated them last year too. Yeah. And uh, Chelsea not having a good week. They're going to have to take it out on somebody this week. They lost um, Rudiger on a free to Juventus, which sucks. No, we have that. Rudiger, he's gone. 
No, he's not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. When, he's not. when was that announced? Like in the last couple like hours? This, like this weekend. I no, think he's no, no. Trying to pre-contract with with Juventus. Um, Bayern Munich is going to beat the crap out of Villarreal. Uh, Man City, Atletico Madrid is sounds exciting, um, but I think it's going to be kind of boring. Atletico Madrid only wants to play boring games, and then Liverpool probably massacres um, Benfica. And I enjoy I believe, that matchup. That's nice. I believe one side of it is Liverpool, Benfica, Bayern, and Villarreal is on Correct. one side of it, and the other side is Man City, Atletico, Chelsea, and El Madrid. Yep. So Liverpool, Liverpool. versus. City versus maybe, Chelsea and Liverpool versus Bayern Munich to go to the. I was going to say maybe uh, we could the English clubs could do the Minnesota hockey uh, thing <laughs> and <laughs> we get four three of the four finalists and uh, none of us win it. We lose. All, we all lose to Bayern Munich. So that's where we're at. Uh, it should be fun. Everyone should be tuning into the Champions League. Absolutely most electric competition. So. That is all the time that we have on this episode of the Nordies Podcast. We'll be back with our screencast later this week, so make sure you guys go and check that out. Until then, thanks for hanging out with your good friends here at the Nordies Podcast. Mm-hmm.